Thank you, Paul, President Paul Riley and Scott for that award and thank you for the invitation to deliver this commencement address for the Thomas Aquinas graduating class of 2023 and to receive this St. Thomas medallion. I'm truly humbled and honored, particularly reading the list of the recipients who have received this award in the past. So it's a really a, a great, great honor. And to the graduating class of 2023, and to your parents and your family members, congratulations and salutations on this great achievement. Today is a day of great joy for you. And I use the word joy intentionally. The title I've chosen for this hopefully brief commencement address, I was given some time constraints, so I'm, gonna, I'm on the clock, <laughs> is taken from St. Augustine, who was instrumental in my conversion to the Catholic faith, cantare amantis est, loosely translated, only the lover sings, only the lover sings. The great German philosopher Joseph Pieper wrote a little book in 1988 on the subject of art and contemplation with the same title, Only the Lover Sings. So my reflections today are not entirely original by any means. And I noticed that at least one of this year's graduates wrote her thesis on the subject of joy. So I hope these thoughts will resonate with you in some small way, as you celebrate the joy of this graduation day. I would like to begin my remarks by taking us back in history to the origins of this college, which opened its doors for the first time in the fall of 1971. This date should go down in history as a significant benchmark in the renewal of Catholic education in the modern West. What the first founders of this college envisioned when they began this bold educational project is now bearing tremendous fruit in schools, colleges, and educational endeavors across this country and beyond. I first heard about Thomas Aquinas College when I was an undergraduate at the University of Kansas, as Paul mentioned, in the early 1970s and a student of what was then called the Pearson Integrated Humanities Program. I graduated from high school in 1973, and in a few weeks I'm going to celebrate my own 50th anniversary of my high school graduation. And when I showed up on the campus of the University of Kansas almost 50 years ago, I was not yet a Catholic. My main interests at the time were basketball and the Grateful Dead. And KU had both of them. <laughs> but God had other designs. Providentially, I enrolled in the Integrated Humanities program as a freshman. And by the middle of my junior year, I was baptized and received into the Catholic Church. And if I were to distill it down to one thing, in addition to the power of supernatural grace, what converted me to the Catholic Church was a great book's liberal education. The Integrated Humanities program, as it came to be known, was taught by three remarkable professors, Dennis Quinn, Franklin Nellick, and John Sr. 
as President O'Reilly mentioned. And it's interesting to note that the Integrated Humanities Program also opened its doors for the first time at the University of Kansas in the fall semester of 1981, 1971. And as it turned out, the third of these professors, John Sr., who eventually became my godfather, was a dear friend and colleague of Professor Ronald MacArthur, the founding president of Thomas Aquinas College. And I remember in the 1970s, Dr. Sr. mentioning this new upstart college in California, being started by some of his friends, a college devoted to the renewal of the great traditions of philosophy and Western liberal education. In preparing my remarks for this address, I was able to obtain a treasure trove of letters from the Thomas Aquinas archives between John Sr. and Ronald MacArthur and several other founders of Thomas Aquinas, dating back to 1968, names like Mark Berquist, Jack Neumeyer, and Peter DeLuca. In this cachet of letters, one discovers the early fermentation process of what would one day become the vintage wine of Thomas Aquinas College and the Pearson Integrated Humanities Program. They're pure gold. These fellow co-conspirators were engaged in a bold project that would have a lasting impact on the renewal of the liberal arts in the West. The one and only visit I ever made to Thomas Aquinas College before now was for a wedding of the daughter of one of my KU classmates in, the June, of, in June of 2009. And I believe it was only the second wedding to take place here in this chapel. I told my buddy I would do the wedding under one condition, that he had to arrange for me a way to meet Ronald MacArthur, who at the time was 85 years old and still teaching seminars. Born within a year of each other in the mid-1920s, John Sr. and Ronald MacArthur were contemporaries. Sr. died in 1998, and Ron MacArthur passed away in 2013. Well, my friend made good on the deal, and late in the evening, the night before his daughter's wedding, the two of us sat down in the outdoor patio at the Commons just behind me with Dr. MacArthur and a bottle of wine and listened to the wisdom of this giant of a man. He literally was a giant at six foot five. And we sat up until 1 a.m. listening to Dr. MacArthur tell story after story about our old professor and his dear friend and colleague. Truly the stuff of legends. And I shall never forget that conversation we had that night out under the stars. As you might imagine, these two great men and profound thinkers didn't always see eye to eye on what was wrong with modern higher education. Dr. MacArthur would argue that the problem with higher education is a crisis of reason. He would say that young college students don't know how to think logically anymore. They need to be immersed in the perennial philosophy of the ages. They need to learn the wisdom of St. Thomas. John Sr., who had a great love for St. Thomas and was steeped in Thomistic philosophy, would respond, well, Ron, I don't disagree with you. 
We are certainly living in an age that suffers from a crisis of reason. Objective truth is no longer taught in our colleges. But more than a crisis of reason, we are suffering from a crisis of the imagination. Young people have lost the sense of wonder. They don't have poetry in their souls. And thus the argument would go. And because they were such good friends and because they loved each other dearly, they would have these debates about serious subjects and still remain close friends. To listen to Dr. MacArthur speak about his good friend and close colleague and the conversations they would have about the permanent things with a sparkle in his eye and a smile on his face brought us to tears not a few times that evening. But in the end, like all things Catholic, it's never an either-or argument, but a both-and situation. Yes, we do have a crisis of reason today. And yes, we do have a crisis of the imagination. But John Sr.'s strong conviction always centered on the idea that one precedes the other. That before you can begin to engage in the arduous task of philosophy, one must first be reborn in wonder. In fact, when the three KU professors chose a motto for the Integrated Humanities program, they chose a Latin phrase, nascantur in admirazione, let them be born in wonder. In a letter to Ronald MacArthur dated January 9th, 1969, John Sr. wrote these words. Liberal education then begins in wonder and aims at wisdom. But music, in the ancient sense, begins in delight and ends in wonder. While gymnastic, in the Greek sense of the word, begins in the sensible experience and ends in delight. Since students entering college are in a state of neither wonder nor delight, they need pre-liberal education." End of quote. The point that Senior was making was that the cultivation of the imagination in some mysterious way precedes the cultivation of reason. In that same 1969 letter, John Senior goes on to write, quote, the discipline traditionally assigned the task of training the soul to the condition of wonder is music. In the wide and ancient sense of those activities governed by the nine muses, daughters of memory, without which intellect and will have no material form from which to work." End of quote. The IHP professors would often talk about education by the muses. This was why learning and memorizing poetry was so important to the Integrated Humanities program. In a very Thomistic sense, Senior would posit that, quote, and this is from another letter, no intellectual knowledge is possible without the prior work of the imagination. And the imagination cannot work without sensation. He goes on to say, the muses then, between delight and wonder, preside over the virtue of acuity. They sharpen the imagination so it sees things distinctly." End of quote. Senior went on to write in another letter to MacArthur, quote, 
The seven liberal arts are a rational examination of the causes of what music presents, which is another way of saying that wonder is a condition of science, end of quote. And I would add to that that this is what St. Augustine was getting at in his little phrase, only the lover sings. For me, in my conversion to the Catholic faith, as I recall it now, it came about primarily through the love and friendship of my classmates and our mutual and desire for truth and goodness and beauty. Through what we were studying, poetry, history, music, philosophy, theology, art, architecture, and dance. This was what the professors meant when they spoke about education by the muses. And when I discovered truth and goodness and beauty in the great books, the best which has been thought and said, in the words of Matthew Arnold, my heart began to sing for joy in that discovery. Music and poetry train the memory, and they give the soul a direct experience of the joy of the thing itself. The joy is what caused my heart to sing, as only the lover can sing. Actually, I was tempted to entitle my commencement address today, Extra Poesium Nulla Salus. There's no salvation outside of poetry. But I refrained. The 19th century English convert, it's been referred to before, to the Catholic Church, St. John Henry Newman, who was a huge influence on me and still is, as I took his motto from my own Episcopal motto, wrote a lot about liberal education and how we come to know things, especially in his last work, The Grammar of Ascent. But in a famous debate which took place through letters in the Times of London in 1849, between Newman and a member of the British Parliament, Sir Robert Peel, Newman argues that the liberal arts are necessary for a healthy and civilized culture. Peel was arguing for a hyper-utilitarian, career-oriented, and science-based educational system to feed the progress of the Industrial Revolution. Peel argued that the liberal arts were no longer necessary in an industrial age. In his exchange with Sir Robert Peel, which became a series of lengthy letters known as the Tamworth Reading Room Letters, Newman posits a very startling argument. And he writes, after all, man is not a reasoning animal. He is a seeing, feeling, contemplating, acting animal. He is influenced by what is direct and precise. It is very well to freshen our impressions and convictions from physics, but to create them, we must go elsewhere. Then Newman goes on to say, and this has become a famous quote that I'm sure you've probably heard. Newman writes, the heart is commonly reached not through the reason, but through the imagination, by means of direct impressions by the testimony of facts and events, by history, by description. Persons influence us, voices melt us, 
Looks subdue us. Deeds inflame us. Many a man will live and die upon a dogma. No man will be a martyr for a conclusion. End of quote. A true experience of a liberal arts education, precisely the kind of education that each one of you graduates have received here at Thomas Aquinas College, should be like a birth of the human spirit, an entry into a world that excites interest because it is seen in the light of wonder. The passion of wonder itself arises from consciousness of our ignorance before the mystery of being itself. And from what passion begins, and from that passion begins the lifelong pursuit of wisdom. And I would go further and say that the liberal arts education that you have received here at Thomas Aquinas College will be the source of your joy and will make your heart sing for decades to come, no matter to what vocation you are called. And ultimately, like St. Thomas Aquinas discovered, this wonder and wisdom leads to contemplation. We know that at the end of his life, St. Thomas occupied his time composing poetry, which ultimately was turned into music. Again, only the lover sings. And it's interesting to note as well that the Benedictine Monastery of Clear Creek, which was founded by eight graduates of the Integrated Humanities Program and one of Thomas Aquinas, now has 14 monks who are graduates of Thomas Aquinas College. And again, I would say that to my dear graduates, you must hold on to this joy in the years and decades ahead for the sake of your own sanity and mental health. As some of you know, back in 2019 and 2020, I had to take a leave of absence from my duties as bishop to tend to my own mental health as I was struggling with anxiety and depression. I fell into the trap of that ungodly self-reliance and lost that sense of joy and wonder in my life. The burdens of leadership became overwhelming for me. But thanks be to God, I reached out to people who could help, family, friends, and professionals in mental health. And now I'm back happier and healthier than ever been. So never hesitate to reach out if you're struggling. There are people who love you and people who can help. And if I can conclude with a, giving you a bit of advice as you graduate today and leave this college, it's this. Keep reading and rereading the great and good books you have come to know and love here at Thomas Aquinas College. Each day, try to read a few verses of poetry. And each day, listen to a little bit of good music. Right now, I'm really into the Avid Brothers, but I love all kinds of music, even the Grateful Dead at times. <laughs> and each night, 
if you can, take time to look at the stars. And always remember that only the lover sings. As I mentioned at the beginning of this talk, programs like the one here at Thomas Aquinas College in the Integrated Humanities Program at KU started a revolution back in 1971 that is beginning to explode in this country through, throughout our nation. Classical academies, the homeschooling movement, charter schools, Catholic diocesan schools are all part of the renewal of the liberal arts and putting the joy back into learning and teaching. I'm privileged to be a member of the Institute for, the, for Catholic Liberal Education, which is rapidly expanding across the country and renewing the liberal arts. It was founded by two Thomas Aquinas graduates, Michael Van Hecke and Andrew Seeley. And I hope some of you go into education and become teachers. You have so much to offer because you've received such a wonderful education, unique education here at Thomas Aquinas. So let me conclude with something I heard recently from my good friend, Dale Alquist, who is the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society, as a, as a bit of a Chesterton character himself, and the founder of the Chesterton High School Academies. They just opened the 45th Chesterton Academy this year, and next year they're opening 15 new academies to reach 60, and they started with the first one in 2008. I would say that if you're looking for a job with this degree that you have, you would be hired, as they say, in a New York minute. So consider that. And when Dale Alquist was asked, why do we read the great and good books, he answered this way. We read the Iliad because all life is a battle. We read the Odyssey because all life is a journey. We read the book of Job because all life is a riddle. We read the Canterbury Tales because all life is a pilgrimage. We read Don Quixote because all life is a knight errantry. We read Shakespeare because all the world's a stage. We read Dickens because all the world is a great expectation. We read Dostoevsky because we're all part of a family and every soul is a battleground between heaven and hell. And we read Dante because all life is a divine comedy. And we read Chesterton because all life is a paradox. Dear graduates of 2023, may the song of truth and goodness and beauty always ring in your hearts. And may the love and joy and wonder of learning be ever with you. Congratulations and God bless you.